the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Got questions concerning elder or state law? Attorney Mike Connors has the answer. He's been recognized as one of New York's top lawyers by New York Magazine and brings nearly 40 years of experience to the table. His office number is 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Here's Mike Connors. We are gathered here on hallowed ground. Welcome to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. Uh, if you haven't heard the show before, welcome aboard. If you've had heard the show before, you know, with the first part of the show, we talk about estate planning and elder law. The idea behind estate planning is to pass assets from one generation to the next, paying the least amount in taxes we need to pay legally, avoiding going through court, avoiding probate. And as far as elder laws, we're trying to save assets from nursing home bills. The second part of the show, we talk about a variety of different subjects, and today I think we're going to be talking about one of the most important subjects in the world, human freedom, human rights. And we're going to have with us Cheng Guangcheng, who's a very remarkable person. He's a lawyer in China who stood up to the system. He suffered a lot, and he's fighting for human rights today. He's got a, a website, and we'll talk to him. His English is not always the best, so we have to listen closely. And he's going to have one of his associates, comrades, Professor William Saunders, to help him with the question and answer. So, I, you know, again, one of the, the, the biggest issues today is the future of the world, obviously. The Chinese Communist Party, what the Chinese Co- Communist Party is planning to do in the future, what how they treat the people within China and Cheng has a lot of contacts and what's going on in China, supposedly. And we're going to be talking about that. One of the again, one of the biggest issues of our time now. Uh, Beth, you know, we had our seminars last week. And do you want to repeat some well, one of the major questions this that is, we got? On our seminars? This is this is the big question. And I know we've spoken about it on the show several times, but um we had a lovely group of seminars. We had some wonderful people there, and we had some great questions. But one, with all the time that we talk about it, it why do you need a will? That question always comes up. People think that they have everything, and, and oh, well, I've got this and this, this bank account for this person. 
And it always is, well, you know, I, I don't think I really need a will. So it's, I don't want people to be confused. So if you would please explain again why it's so important to have that will. Well, like I said, you know, it's one of the few things that can say blanket. Everybody should have a will because things happen that you reasonably can't control. And, of course, the question starts with, well, my house is in a trust. All my bank accounts have somebody else's name on it. Everything I own is taken care of. Why do I need a will? And one of the seminar stories I use, which is, of course, based on a true story, um, there was a woman on SSI. She didn't think she needed a will. And this is one of the common responses why you don't think you needed a will is because I don't own anything. So this woman had a $2,000 bank account. She had a joint with her best friend. So, again, why did she need a will? She was an SSI. She collected Social Security disability. She had uh, $2,000 in the bank. She lived in what we used to call a welfare hotel. She didn't even own the furniture in the hotel room. So, again, why did she need a will? She owned nothing. Now, she had a very good friend, and the friend visited her every week. Her friend would make sure she had a place to go for the holidays. Not that the woman in SSI didn't have a family. She had a sister, but the sister disowned her because the woman in SSI was physically disfigured, and her sister wanted nothing to do with her. Now, woman lived in a welfare hotel. There was a fire in the hotel. She died in the fire. Other people were hurt. Lawsuits were brought. The friend paid for the funeral. The sister didn't go to the funeral. Who gets the money from the lawsuit? The sister. She didn't deserve it. But that's the way it is. If you don't have a will, the state writes a will for you. And if nothing else, you want to name an executor to wrap up your legal financial business matters. Let's say, God forbid, you get hit by a car. There's a lawsuit. It goes after you're gone. You know, a will, you know, would take care of that. Who gets the money from the lawsuit? Who controls the lawsuit? Who's the executor of your estate? You know, sometimes it's an odd end. Sometimes there's a car. And, you know, I can, you know, like if you don't have close family members, you have a car, who's going to take care of the car and who's going to get the car, especially if it's worth something, the furniture in your apartment, who's going to get the furniture in your apartment. We know a lady a few years ago, she had all her bank accounts and trust for a joint. She didn't think she needed a will. She died. She didn't leave anything to her relatives or next of kin. They were nephews and nieces that she didn't get along with. She died. She lived in her apartment. The police put a seal up in front of her apartment door. Um, She had some very nice furniture. She had some very nice things. The family wasn't interested in doing anything because they didn't get anything under, well, they didn't have a will, but they didn't get anything under her estate because she left her friends on all the bank accounts or whatever. So they got upset and they just walked away from it. By the time the public administrator got into the apartment, it's months later. So, and all the furniture in the apartment, even though there was some nice things and there was some mementos and things like that, that may have gotten to friends, but it didn't go to friends. It went to the public administrator who sold the proceeds and used it to pay his fill. And there's nothing wrong with that. They got to get paid their fees for doing the work. But If we had a will and she had an executor, the executor could have taken control of the, you know, furniture and things like that. And 
could, could have also collected. She had a small amount in a checking account, but could have collected the checking account instead of just being used for rent, you know, be, because nobody broke the seal on the apartment because there were no relatives. And, of course, by the pub, time public administrator got there, you know, everything was gone. So, again, everybody should have a will. I mean, you know, sometimes uh, some people, if you want to learn something about estate planning, maybe you should see the movie Waking Ned Divine. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Because <laughs> the, the basic of the movie is an old Irish guy in a remote part of Ireland. And he's he's watching the TV with the lottery numbers. And he's got the lottery ticket in his hand. Hold and he wins a lot. He wins the lottery. And he has a heart attack. <laughs> As he's watching that he won the lottery or, you know, whatever. And, of course, in this case, he doesn't have a will. And the town is, you know, they they do a lot of work on it, banking laws and everything else. And they maneuver and they try to make up for the fact that the old man didn't have a will. And it is a funny movie. movie. But there's some lessons to be heard there when you don't have a will. And listen, I've seen lottery winners. It happens. I mean, it may not be, uh, you know, something that happens every day of the week, but there are people who win the lottery. Where does the lottery ticket go? Where does the money from the ticket go? Another thing that occasionally happens, you have an older lady, let's say, for the sake of argument. She's got brothers and sisters, and one of the brothers and sisters passes away. And either through a will or otherwise, she may inherit from her brothers or sisters, in some cases, cousins. She may have a cousin who doesn't have a will, and then she may inherit from that cousin because the cousin didn't have a will, and it goes to her cousins equally. Let's say this this person didn't have any brothers or sisters or whatever. Um, and, and again, that money is in limbo, and it's it's better to have a will because you don't want it to be in limbo and then go to the state. And a will, for the most part, no matter what happens, and I mean, there are problems with probate. There are problems with going through court and everything else. But if you have a will, you can almost guarantee that your assets will not go to the state. I mean, that's, you know, because it, no no trier fact is going to let it go to the state if you have a will naming somebody. And when does it go to the state? If you have no relatives. Your assets go to the state if when you pass away, you're not married and you do not have a descendant of your grandparents alive doesn't matter how many relatives you have through marriage, through your spouse's family. They're not your relatives. A relative in New York, you have to be a descendant of a common grandparent. You going to ask something, Beth? Yes, I am. Well, here we go. We have husband and wife, and they die in a plane accident. But the husband goes first. Well, that's... Of the husband. Ordinarily, if you die within 120 hours, it's as if you died together. Okay. Well, what if it's their second marriage? And the, okay, I'm making it complex. All right. Yeah. The husband has kids from the first marriage. The wife doesn't have any kids. Well, ordinarily, their joint assets would go 50-50. Even if the, the wife, okay, the joint, so even if the wife likes these kids, yeah, if you don't have a will, they're not related to her. So, your spouse's relatives are not your relatives. So, so does, it, does it go to the state if she doesn't have anything? Well, what is, who's in her family? She doesn't have a family. Yeah, that's an example I use a lot. Husband and wife, um, they're in a car accident. Husband has a number of nephews and nieces. Wife's an only child. Her mother's an only child. Her father's an only child. And 
they don't have a will. Husband dies first, wife dies soon after, let's say more than 120 hours, for our example. Then the assets would go to the state if because, again, the wife is not married when she died. And if her mother was an only child and her father was an only child and they're both deceased, there are no brothers or sisters. There are no nephews and nieces. There are no cousins. And again, to be a relative, you have to be descended from a grandparent, which which means you cannot be a second cousin and be a relative in New York state. Now, I know a lot of people get confused between first cousin once removed and a second cousin. A first cousin once removed is somebody who's a child of a first cousin. That's a first cousin once removed. A second cousin is somebody who's not descended from your grandparents, but is descended from your great grandparents. And you're not a relative if you're a second cousin in New York. You have to be a descendant of a grandparent, which which means a cousin or closer or the child of a first cousin. So if you don't have that, your assets could go to New York State. And no matter what, I don't think anybody really wants their assets to go to New York State, which is one reason to have a will. And, of course, you might have somebody who's your next of kin. You might have a nephew or niece. But, you know, horrible things happen in this world sometimes. They could die before you. And then you may not have relatives. And a will will take care of the what ifs. I leave everything to my nephew. If my nephew dies before me, the assets that would have passed to my nephew go. And again, you got to you got to fill in the blank. You got to tell us what you want. And once again, if you've got friends, if you've got charities, if you've got somebody you want to give, you know, if that's not in a will, they don't get it. Right. Right. Well, that's I think most people understand that. But a lot of people think, well, I've got everything. I've got my um, everything joint or something like that. I don't have to worry about those assets, which to some extent are true. Now, occasionally I've seen it, not often, but I occasionally see where put, people put assets in trust for a charity. And what could happen is that there's, there's no executor, there's nobody in charge, and the charity doesn't know the person died. And those assets are sitting around for years and years. Eventually, New York State unclaimed funds will take over those assets, but this could be six years later, and then they will probably notify the charities. But... That is an occasional problem. I haven't seen it often. Usually there's somebody say, hey, here's a bank book and trust for charity. Let's call up the charity. But not always. And if you don't have an executive, you don't have a person in charge. If you don't have anybody who's going to get, you know, take charge. And, of course, a lot of times you die without a will. Who's going to take charge? You know, you you may even have a very reliable nephew out there. But he's going to say, well, I was, you know, I don't know of any will. I'm just going to let things ride. You know, I'm not. He, let's say he's not a person that causes problems, that just, you know, does whatever. And the assets could sit around, you know, a very long time. Again, everybody should have a will. I mentioned the car. You know, a lot of times you have a bank account and you have a, a checking account where your Social Security check goes and whatever. It may not be a lot in there. But a lot of times there is something in there, especially if you get sick, you're in the hospital and you have a couple of months worth of pension and Social Security checks that are going into the bank. Maybe, you know, it is some money. Uh, Jewelry. I mean, furniture. Furniture is not worth a lot today. But do you want it to just get thrown out on the street Um, and, and somebody might be able to use it? You know, give it to your best friend. Let your best friend distribute it. Let's say if there's no family members. 
There, there are an enormous amount of reasons for a will. And, of course, you could have an annuity. You could have an insurance policy. You could have a beneficiary on those items. That beneficiary dies before you. The will will take over. And, you know, there's another point that, that's come – hope hasn't done happened a lot, but it does happen. One bank takes over another bank, and the bank that takes over, they – somehow lose all the beneficiary designations within their computer system and all those beneficiary designations are wiped out and that happens a little bit more than you might think and i've seen it happen twice to two different banks and if you have a will with a beneficiary on the will at least the beneficiary on that will would be able to eventually collect those accounts but if you have none and there's no beneficiary designations and there's no will well, who knows where those assets are going to go? And again, it comes to the same thing. Do you have relatives? And if, if you, you had beneficiary designations and they're not immediate members of your family, who's it going to go to? Now, again, everybody should have will. And some people say, well, I, you know, I own real estate. I heard if I don't have a will, it goes to my children anyway. That's true. But it's still easier to sell the property if you have an executor under your will than if you have no will. Because then, first of all, somebody may have to be bound bonded. You may have to get a court order. And it's still easier with the will. Even if you're, you're not going to do any advanced planning, you're not going to try to avoid probate or something like that. It's still better to have a will. The will is the first step in estate planning. I can't say that enough. And sometimes I get a little bit, um, you know, I see something where, you know, will versus trust. It's not a will versus trust. Everybody should have a will no matter what. You may use the trust to avoid probate, which is the preferable way of doing things. You don't want to rely on the will, but it's not, do I have a will or a trust? You have a will, and then if you want to avoid probate on certain assets, especially if you own real estate, we do a trust. I'm glad you said that because that's exactly what someone had said to me. Well, you know, he said, I, I need a trust so I don't have to probate, so go to the court and probate. So why I don't need a will. So that's it. Thank you. That's exactly. The will is a backup. It's a backup. You know, and that's one reason why you should always have a will. And here's another reason some people should have a will that they don't think about. If you have children under the age of 18 years of age, you should have a will for no other reason than to appoint a guardian. You know, and say, well, I don't have anything. But nonetheless, where's the child going to go to school? Where's the child going to live? You don't want the child to be in the middle of a court battle. That's not a good situation. Okay, I'm going to bring up something else. You know, I know we were talking about when you've got a kid that goes off to college, 18 years old, you know, they need health care proxy, maybe a power of attorney, not because they have anything, but they might be in an accident. Do they need a will? What if they're in an accident? Yeah. Well, I, I wouldn't put it the highest priority because if it's a child and one of the parents is alive, if they don't have a will, it will go to the parents. Now, obviously, in the, the estate planning that we're talking about, it'd be better to have a will than not. But if, let's say, a child gets in a car accident and the child has parents alive, the assets will go to the parents. Now, and hopefully we're not planning that a child's going to pass away before, you know, parents. Yes, they should have a will, but a PAV attorney or health care proxy might be more important because let's say the child's got some medical problems, has you know, I hate to say it, let's say a drug overdose. 
parents want to get access to the files. Parents want to make medical decisions for the child. You're going to have a hassle if the child didn't sign a health care proxy. And I, I would dare say that's one reason why almost everybody should have a uh, health care proxy, because you want you want a person to get access to your medical records to be able to talk to a doctor. And I wouldn't want to be in a position where trying to do- talk to a doctor in another state who, if you don't have a health care proxy. Grief. Right, right. You know, like if you have a family doctor, you know, probably the family doctor, you know, is going to talk to the people. But, you know, if you're if, if you're in another state and you're doing everything by fax and phones, even if you go down there, you know, in some states, the doctor may say, no, I can't talk to you. you you're right. not the res- rep- designated representative of the person. So. And, you know, like it's, it's another thing, too. A lot of times people think, why do I need a power of attorney? Everything's joint with my wife. Well, that may be true, but other things happen. You could have your house joint with your wife. You go to a nursing home. Your wife wants to protect the house, put it into trust. You cannot sign the deed to the house without your spouse's signature. And if your spouse is incompetent as a result of the stroke, you may have a very difficult time doing the proper estate planning to protect that house from nursing home bills, to protect that house, to avoid probate on that house. And you may leave lose, leave your spouse in jeopardy if you don't have a power of attorney, because in some cases, um, let's say husband and wife, husband has a stroke, goes to a nursing home, doesn't have a power of attorney. And let's say he has some uh, a work benefit plan where he has stock options or he has stock certificates from his job. And it's in his name alone just because he didn't get around to making a joint with his wife. He had no reason not to. He just didn't do it. Um, Again, the wife wants to deal with those stocks. She wants to switch it over to her name, do a spouse refusal with Medicaid right now. Or maybe she just wants to sell it because she needs to spend some money for expenses or whatever. She wants to improve the house so her husband can come home. Again, if her husband's not mentally alert, not mentally competent, she can't cash in those stocks. And the same thing applies if you have a house. Now, if you have bank accounts to joint, yeah, if something happens, the wife can go to the bank and she can take the money out of the bank. That's not a major hassle. That's not a major problem. But if it's a, a stock certificate, a co-op, if you own a co-op and you have both members, both husband and wife on the stock certificate, you can't transfer or move that stock certificate without the other one's consent. So a power of attorney is very important between husband and wife. Everybody should have a will. And then some people think, I don't need a will because I'm married. Well, that may be, but you pass away, let's say September 11th. Somebody was married September 11th. They had a a kid, let's say, under the age of 18. They got a million-dollar settlement from the 9-11 fund. Half the money went to the spouse, not the whole thing. People think if I don't have a will, it all goes to my wife. It doesn't. It goes half to your children, half to your wife. little extra allowance for your wife. But, you know, you own a house. It's in your name alone. You inherited the house. You pass away. You don't have a will. Half the house goes to your wife. Half the house goes to your children. And that may or may not be what you want. But in any event, with your will, you can say what you want and make sure that your wishes are understood and hopefully followed. So again, everybody should have a will and we could go on, you know, for the rest of the show like this, but we don't have time because we're going to take a short break and then we're going to be talking to Jeng Kung Cheng and William Sanders about human rights in China.
How can I protect my family if something happens to me? What if I need to go to a nursing home? What will happen to our savings, our home? What's the best way to give my home to my kids? Who will help us take care of Grandpa? These and many other questions can be answered with a phone call to Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, 718-238-6500. Mike Connors, one of New York Magazine's top lawyers, has over 30 years of estate planning and elder law experience. Mike and his team of professionals will help you protect your assets from probate, taxes, and nursing home costs so you can have peace of mind knowing you and your family will be taken care of and protected. I'm Mike Connors, founder of Connors & Sullivan. People don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. The time to plan is now. I'm Beth Connors. Call today for a free initial consultation with one of our experienced lawyers. Connors and Sullivan in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500, or connorsandsullivan.com. If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it harder to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress? A home equity conversion mortgage may be the answer for you and your family. Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. Give me a call so our team here at Contour Mortgage can show you how the loan program works and how much you and your family may qualify for. My job is to help you find the best solution for your retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this mortgage program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call and speak with me. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-954-7463. Once again, that's 888-954-7463, and you could be on your way to a better retirement. Frank Melia, NMLS number 62591, Contour Mortgage Corporation, NMLS number 34384, 990 Stewart Avenue, Suite 660, Garden City, New York, 11530, Licensed Mortgage Banker, New York State Department of Financial Services. Time now for Connor's Corner, where Mike takes a closer look at topics like history, politics, religion, and more. Here's Mike. Welcome to the Connor's Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. With me right now is, is a truly extraordinary individual who's – we're going to talk about his life story. And in that, we're touching upon Chinese – the Chinese Communist Party. And to help him is also Professor William Sanders. Gentlemen, welcome to Connor's Corner. Hello. Hello, everyone. Hi. How you doing, Chen Gunching? Now – Yeah. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good to hear right now. But things weren't always good for you. And, uh, you know, I just learned about your memoir. Can you tell the audience uh-huh. what it's about? Yeah, it's it's called The Barefoot Lawyer. And he uh, he was named The Barefoot Lawyer by Newsweek magazine in 2005. He was on the cover of Newsweek magazine as China's Barefoot Lawyer. And he is a uh, representative of uh, the poor, the poor in the rural areas of China, and of handicapped people. Um, Guangchen himself is uh, blind, so the 
book is about his memoir of his life and about what happened to him representing the outcasts in China and what the Chinese Communist Party did to him and how he escaped to America. All right. Well, you know, that says a lot in itself. But you're you're a lawyer in China. Chen's a lawyer in China. And what is the system like there? What is the law system like in China? Oh, yeah. Inland China, uh, what is the the law license? Uh, You have to learn from uh, the law school, you know, and uh, pass the test about lawyer, then you can get it. But what he's asking, Wang Chen, is how does the law operate in China? Does the Chinese Communist Party follow? Oh, yeah. No, no, no. The law in mainland China, just as a tool, the Communist Party use them to control the people. So if the Communist Party think that law is good, can protect the party's benefits, the party will, you will, force the, it will force the people to follow that law. If the law protects the people's rights, the Khan Party will find a way to change it. So now in mainland China, the law uh, is not protect the people's rights, just like a tool that the Khan Party uses to control the Chinese people. So under the authoritarian regime, no, no rule of law. Go ahead. All right. Can you describe, let me go back. Can you describe what got you in trouble somewhat with the Chinese Communist Party? Is it about the one child and abortion? Why did you get in trouble with the CCP? Oh, yeah, because I have uh, uh, investigation about the first abortion. You know, the Communist Party did the one child policy. They forced the women to uh, to stop their pregnancy and kill the babies and uh, arrest the couples who have the second baby, their family members in the illegal center and torture them and arrest them. And so I, I asked my friend with me to do the investigation. Then we tried to sue the CCP uh, in the court, but you know the Communist Party control all the judiciary system. So later we have to uh, uh, release the investigation online. So then the Communist Party tried to fight me back. They, they not only did they try to fight you back, they put you in prison. Yeah, they, they kidnapped me from Beijing and put me under house arrest more than half a year. Then put me in black jail uh, more than three months. Then sentenced me in prison four years and three months. Now, what was your crime again? I just, I think it needs to be repeated. The, the crime was that he told the truth about the one-child policy and the forced abortions under the one-child policy. They didn't want that truth told, so they cooked. They cooked up a uh, a show trial, uh, or as he says, a kangaroo court, uh, and sentenced him to eventually sentenced him to prison for four years. 
Now, let me ask you, is this uh, is this usual or unusual? You uh, The Senate, or do you mean the, the harassment of him? The harassment. Yeah, it's very usual in China because, as he says, the Chinese Communist Party tries to control everything. So if you do anything that they don't like, they put you in jail. Sometimes, as he said, they kidnap you. Sometimes they put you in a black jail, which means a kind of hidden jail. Or sometimes they prosecute you in a kangaroo court and put you in prison. So it's very usual. In fact, Wang Chen and I, we have a we have a podcast where we have talked about there are 20 other lawyers in China who have disappeared into the the jails because they stood up to the CCP. Has that changed over the last 20 years or so? Is it still getting worse, better, stays the same? How is it for human rights lawyers in China today? Now it's um, much, much more worse. You know, now the company uses the official uh, move, uh, recognition and recognition. recognition and movement recognition to control all the people. After the coronavirus, the company create a new system, uh, you know, the healthy healthy code and uh, use that to follow everyone, you know, the companies use the internet, use the computer, they, they can know each person where they are. So, uh, so now very, very difficult to see something. The company use the new technology to create the censorship uh, system on, online, on internet. So very difficult to share the information uh, now. So the similar situation getting worse in mainland China now. And uh, if you see some truth, you expose something, the company will order the police come to your house and uh, arrest you, including your family member. Now, is it true that you have, let's say, if you have a family member in the United States, and that family member says something that's distasteful to the Communist Party, his or her relatives may be visited in China? Yes, that's true. Um, in fact, we were going to give a talk recently at a college here in the United States, and uh, one group canceled its sponsorship because the students were afraid of what the Communist Party would do to their relatives in China. So in other we words... You have people here in the United States of America, and they're afraid of what could happen to their relatives in China for what they might do here in the United States? Yes. Yeah, the people who live in the foreign country very scared to speak up. If you mention about human rights, democracy, the rule of law in the classroom, and the uh, some students will report it to the embassy of the CCP, and the CCP will order the police come to your parents' house or your brother or sister's house to threaten them, ask them to call you, don't mention anything about this in another country. So the current party's long arm uh, try to control the whole world, not just try to control Chinese people. That is uh, communism. 
What what are the Chinese communists afraid of? What are they afraid of? What's the CCP afraid of? The Communist Party really lost the power. You know, they can, they, if they control the power, they can get everything. And if they lost the power, uh, they will lose everything. So the Communist Party, the first important for them to protect their power. So this is why they, uh, they yeah, anyone who uh, tell the truth, who exposed the party, risks of being kidnapped, disappeared, tortured, imprisoned. That is happening every moment in Manhattan. Do you, maybe this is out of your sphere, but what do you think the long-range future is for China under the Communist Party? Uh, in fact, you know, Chinese people are a week, a week now, but uh, they don't have the tool to change the uh, evil uh, regime. So they need, uh, I, I believe in the future, China will become the democratic country, but uh, we don't know when, we don't know how. So in fact, a lot of people understand the democracy system much, much more better than authoritarian regime. So they need uh, the Western uh, democratic nation stand with them to help them to change the political system in mainland China. So then they, they will have the human rights, freedom. And what can we do as American citizens to help that goal become accomplished? Yeah, we have a different way. If our, the U.S. citizens try to help Chinese activists or Chinese people, yeah, they can connect us. Uh, we have a different way to do that. For example, if the act, if the Khan Party put the activists in prison, the Khan Party will ask the boss to stop give their wife's uh, job and make their business in trouble and ask the school review their uh, children's studies there. So we can find a way to give their family member help. This is the one. Another thing is we can tell them how to use the new technology to climb the firewall to get the free, free uh, information, to share uh, what the CCP did to them if the CCP uh, harassed them uh, or threatened them, uh, we should uh, stand up and continue to expose them. That is, in my experience, that is very useful. Yeah. So we can use different ways to do that. Another thing is we can ask the U.S. Congress and the government stand with justice, stand with Chinese people, not stand with the Communist Party. Uh, Mike, uh, overall, yeah. I would say Guangxin thinks the U.S. government should take a very strong uh, position vis-a-vis -vis the Communist Party. Um, they, he believes that they only respect uh, power, that if you, if you try to be subtle with them, they will take advantage of you. So we need to stand very strong for human rights in China. And I also want to say, uh, because we may not have time to get in this, but I just want to touch on it. 
is that this is not just an issue for the people in China. The fact is the Chinese Communist Party is working right now in our own country to undermine democratic institutions and to uh, advance its own interests. So U.S. people need to understand that this is not just something that's happening across the Pacific Ocean. If we stand up for human rights against the Chinese Communist Party, it's also good for American people and American companies uh, here at home. Now, let me ask you something. I'm going to ask a stupid question. Is the Biden administration doing enough to undermine the Chinese Communist Party? What should the Biden administration do? Oh, the Biden administration dropped it twice to to make a good relations with the CCP. Yeah, not with China. You know, they said, yeah, just with CCP. I think the appeasement is very, very bad policy. We should throw the appeasement away and stand up and confront the CCP. So we should join hands to tear down the CCP. You know, the, everyone in mainland China knows this because the CCP never stopped uh, seized to uh, using the mouthpiece to inflame hatred of America. All the people in mainland China know that. So the CCP not just uh, hurts the Chinese people, it harms the people around the world. So I think the U.S. government should stand up and join hand with another Democrat nations to confront the CCP. What should we do specifically? What is, should we as citizens of the U.S., what should we do? Well, I think one thing you should do is you should let your congressman, well, first of all, uh, you know, it depends on where you live, but, you know, uh, a lot of municipalities like New York City or some big city, they have impact. And of course, states have impact. And then at the national level, the Congress has an impact. And, you know, if you're elected representatives at any of those levels, they should know that you, you know, that you support a very strong policy against the CCP to protect human rights in China and here at home, so that they then will have to, you know, represent your views uh, in policy making. So I think it's important that people make their voice heard. I think also there, there, there are organizations that try to help uh, people and help people who get here to America from China. Um, they can learn more information uh, at our website, which we, it's, it's catholic.edu slash CHR for Center for Human Rights. They can learn more about Guangxin. They can learn more. We have a podcast, like I said, they can sign up for the podcast and get his views on current events, both in China and here in the U.S. That every week. So I think they also can spread the word. I mean, the uh, I would sum up one thing Guang Chen said is, you know, evil thrives in darkness and the way to overcome it is to shine a light on it. So if we, you know, if we don't want the CCP undermining our institutions, we need to say that and we need to tell our representatives to put that in policy. And we need to uh, tell China that uh, we want them to respect human rights. Now. Let me ask you this. 
and we're changing the subject slightly. But what should the U.S., from your perspective, what should the U.S. do as far as Taiwan is concerned? What's, uh, what should the U.S. do for, for Taiwan? Yeah, I, I think now, in the future, I think the U.S. should be very clear to tell the Khan Party. If the Khan Party tries to attack Taiwan, uh, the U.S. will use their military to stop them, to fight back. So if they uh, tell the CCP very clear about this, you know, the Khan Party will stop to do anything to Taiwan. If the U.S. keep using the uh, appeasement and try to use diplomacy uh, way to resolve that problem, doesn't work. So the Khan Party is like a mafia. You have to use your hard power to stop that. So I think, you know, before uh, 1996, nine, uh, 2000, and every election time, when Taiwan election time, the U.S. send the air craft carriers there to protect the Taiwan's democracy, that is very, uh, that is work, right? That is very useful. So you cannot talk, just talk to the grabber. You, so I think the U.S. Sh uh, should join hand with another nations to protect the freedom area to stop the CCP to do the bad thing uh, like a Taiwan, Hong Kong, like that. Let me let me ask you a question. That a lot of our listeners, you know, how, how, what what is the the status of freedom of religion, and more particularly the Catholic Church? How is it treated right now under the Chinese Communist Party? The Communist Party, uh, you know, in mainland China, the Communist Party want to control the religions and the. Uh, uh, Catholic, you know, uh, the Communist Party asked them to go to the the Communist Party's church. Of course, the believers don't want to come there because the Communist Party surveillance there. Uh, uh, set up the camera to surveillance them in the church. So. I remember since uh, ten years ago, the Communist Party tear down. Tear down the church and the uh, cross, crosses, cross uh, more than a thousand and two hundred in different provinces. So the Khan Party uh, very scared the believer, just the believer to God, uh, not believe the communism. So, so they keep gave the believers big pressure in mainland China, anywhere, including the rural China. Okay, I think we're getting short on time. Can you guys give us your website again? And, you know, please say it slow so, you know, everybody out there can write it down. Sure. Uh, I'll say it twice. Uh, it's catholic.edu uh, slash, that's a front slash, uh, CHR that stands for Center for Human Rights. So it's catholic.edu front slash and then the, the letters CHR. 
And when they go there, they can sign up for the Barefoot Lawyer podcast, which is Guang Chen and myself talking about events that are happening in China or in America or around the world that threaten America from CCP action. So it's called the Barefoot Lawyer podcast. Uh, he is, as we said, the Barefoot Lawyer, so it's his ideas and his analysis of what's going on in China. And I can just say that nobody knows more about what's going on in China than he does because he has tremendous contacts there. He is uh, considered a real hero of the democracy movement. So he has many contacts and they find ways to get around the firewall, which is complicated. We can't go through it all now, but he's, uh, it's a very up-to-date source of what's going on. Well, I think it's very important that Americans learn what's going on, because I think really the media doesn't say very much, if, it, if anything. And thank you guys for doing what you're doing, because world freedom relies on people like you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. All right. I'm so happy to be here to talk with you. I hope we can join hands together to make a miracle. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Chen. William, thank you very much for being on Connor's Corner. Thank you. Enjoy it. All right. Thanks again. I'm in a good place in my life. And I'm energized by new adventures. I've got friends to laugh with. And a good relationship. But even though I'm kind of comfortable, I sometimes wonder, is there something more? Could God in church be what you're looking for? Come and see at CatholicsComeHome.com. Do you have somewhere to sleep? Did you eat today? Are you making ends meet? For thousands of New Yorkers, the answer is no. For children and youth, adults, seniors, people struggling with addiction or mental illness, and for the isolated, Catholic Charities of Brooklyn and Queens is there. With 160 programs and more than 4,500 units of affordable housing, Catholic Charities is one of the largest multi-service charitable organizations in the nation. We help change lives and build communities. If you or someone you know needs assistance, call 718-722-6001 or visit CCB. But like Chen Gun Cheng, because, you know, think about it. You leave your homeland. You're a persona non grata in your own home. That must be a very difficult thing to do. And, you know, I hope I hope we respect his efforts and everything else. And I, I think, you know, we should remember so the, some of the battles that remember he stood up to the communist government when they had forced abortion policies on people. And that, we're not talking about even now. Let's We're not even talking about right to choose or anything like that. We're talking about where the Chinese government told women you have to get an abortion. You can only have one child. And he stood up to that. And he's paid the penalty. And he's now in the United States. And, and God bless him. And let's hope he has a long, productive life fighting the good fight, as they say. Well, you know what? He was, he, he, he's blind, right? Yeah. And he was over in China. They don't care about the disabled. You know, that's people. People forget our Bill of Rights don't exist most places. And it was extremely important. Well, remember, like, uh, you you know, our Bill of Rights don't even apply in England. Remember our friend Joe Pierce? He was arrested for hate speech. That's right. Exactly. You know, so the Bill of Rights don't even apply to Great Britain or Canada in some respects. Uh, In any event, let's get back. 
All right, so let's get to estate planning business. You know, we just had our seminars this past week. Um, if you missed it, people ask me, when are you going to do your next set of seminars? It's probably not going to be till next year because very rarely do we do seminars during the winter months. It's just, you know, you get a touch of snow and nobody shows up and we've wasted a week for nothing. But if you if you do want to see right, our well, seminar, well, if you do well, want to see okay. our seminar, Michael, where can they pick up our seminar on YouTube? You go straight to YouTube and you go ask the, ask the lawyer with Mike Connors and you search in the bar Connors and Sullivan video seminar. And you brought up earlier just before we took the break, Michael, uh, we should mention again the different languages and every language that we're talking about, we have native speakers. But what, what are the languages that our people speak here? So we've got English, Spanish, Italian, Greek, Russian, Polish, Romanian, Ukrainian, Mandarin, Cantonese, Fusionese, Tagalog, and Hindi. Nice. All right. So we're going to be back next week, same time and stations. See you then. Remember, if you want to schedule an appointment with Connors and Sullivan, please feel free to do it at 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. God bless. See you next week. Bye-bye, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Kevin McCullough. Are you or your parents' assets protected from nursing home bills? Did you know these bills can exceed $15,000 a month? People work their entire lives to live comfortably in retirement, but when people become ill and need to go to a nursing home or receive home care, the bills can drain their assets, leaving many people bankrupt. The good news is that you can prevent that from happening if you plan in advance. Connors & Sullivan's lawyers can customize a plan that specifically protects your interests, including your home. Schedule a free comprehensive telephone consultation with Mike Connors to discuss your issues and concerns from the security of your home. Call today, 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. Don't let nursing home bills take your life's savings and leave you and your loved ones bankrupt. Don't wait another minute. Mike Connors can take you through the process by telephone and start a plan designed for you today. That's 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. The preceding pre-recorded program paid for by Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.